In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. gentlemen what a special honor it is to be with you each and every week but especially this week it is uh, christmas eve our christmas eve broadcast i appreciate you tuning in whether you're listening live with your family tonight or you'll hear it in the broadcast archives after the fact we want to wish you uh, once and for all and a final time a very merry christmas and uh, i'll tell you what uh, to have congressman steve king on the program anytime is a treat, but tonight especially so. He's back. We opened the Christmas season with him uh, the first Saturday after Thanksgiving, and we're closing it uh, with him tonight, and it truly is entirely, again, our honor to welcome him. Steve, uh, great to have you back, and Merry Christmas to you. Well, thanks a lot, James. It's my honor to be on here today and to be passing this Christmas message along to all your listeners uh, across the country. And um, it is... um, I have some optimism. Uh, looking forward to the next year course, and I hope we get to that. But I'd wish everyone a Merry Christmas to start this out, and then uh, hopefully we get to wrap this up with a similar message. We absolutely will. And uh, before we go any further, uh, it is going to be a little more comfortable, laid-back uh, program tonight in light of the uh, special evening that uh, we find ourselves gathered. But uh, Keith Alexander wasn't with you when uh, we first had you on, your debut appearance last month, Congressman, and I know he wants to say hello. Yes, Steve, it's great to have you on, and uh, I'm glad to give you a platform to, uh, you know, spread the good news that you have for Republicans. Uh, And while we're on that topic, what can we do to improve the Republican Party? Is there any way to get some of these old uh, war horses out that are, (laughs) uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, a fifth column for the Democrats that are in our party? Well, Keith, first thing comes to mind when I hear your question is, and it's impending here within the next couple of weeks, January 3rd would be the date that there's an election for Speaker of the House. And uh, if there's anybody that is a, epitomizes a war horse that has made a deal with the devil, it's Kevin McCarthy. And uh, his deal is that give me the Speaker's gavel and I'll suspend all other standards except whatever gets them to the Speaker's chair. And um, I have found that over my years in Congress, 18 of them, uh, to total them up, 
uh, to be a poisonous element is uh, you need people that are that will stand on principle that will sacrifice their career for a cause and uh, and the constitutional principles the biblical principles and and I'm my prayer each morning is that God will raise up the people that are leaders and others to become leaders who are grounded in biblical values and in the Constitution. And I'm hopeful on the well, leader emergence uh, that, uh, like that on January 3rd. Yes? I, I, this is one of the things we were going to talk about tonight. So basically with Congressman King this evening, be sure, by the way, to check out steveking.com. He writes about Kevin McCarthy and so many other things that will be of interest to you. I've read the book. It is fantastic. steveking.com. You can get it there. You won't get it in time for Christmas, but uh, you'll need something to carry you into the new year, right? We're going to be talking about the best and worst of 2022 and also hopes for the new year. Let's just start with hopes for the new year, and that includes, I was specifically going to ask you about all of the news. I believe it was uh, a talking point on your last appearance a month ago, but even this week, as late as this week, I have seen uh, Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert talking about the need to stop Kevin McCarthy. It would appear as though he, uh, he had gained some momentum and uh, moving back into that position. But uh, what could happen that would stop that, Congressman? Well, you know, as I'm analyzing this, too, and of course, I'm talking to people there that I've served with for years, and uh, there's a level of professional trust, but I, I can say some things, I think, within that. And that is that you've got five that have locked down hard on this thing uh, that say there are going to be never McCarthy votes. And then there are about seven to 10 that are obviously undeclared and there's another probably another 10 to 12 that we didn't hear much from and so i'd say the potential for no votes out there on the floor could be it could be as many as 15 to 20 or maybe even 25 and then so you know what what i think is the preparation is this that kevin mccarthy is likely to go to the democrats and say would um if he has his votes counted he'll probably ask the democrats to have the requisite number of their members take a walk and uh, just skip the vote. That would change mm. the majority number from 218 down to whatever it is in the number that take a walk. And and so that would mean that McCarthy might have enough votes if there's only five against him. But if there's um, if there's 10, 15, 20, or 25, it gets a lot harder. So that's how I think this plays out. There's going to be major drum rolls uh, go on when this vote takes place on the floor. And I'm still toying with the idea of flying out there just to sit in one of those seats and watch the show. Oh, man, <laughs> that would be something. I'll tell you what. Well, and, and this will come to a resolution or a conclusion uh, pretty soon, but it has been interesting to, to watch this, and we will uh, keep tabs on it. Now, another thing, uh, hopes for the new year. I guess that would be one hope for the new year is that, that there'd be a new speaker uh, there for the Republican majority. I uh, couldn't help but see the news here late this week about the, or rather earlier in the week it was, the January 6th committee sending these criminal uh, referral of criminal charges to the Department of Social Justice. And I, I was thinking, I, I had to look it up. And it took them less time to bring forward the charges, conduct the trial, and get to the hangings in Nuremberg than it has with this. Is this just complete political theater, Congressman? The fact that we are now two years off of January 6th. Uh, whatever happened there and however you want to see it. Uh, and they are still just mulling this. So I asked Keith how, you know, when will they ever get to the bottom of it? And Keith, what was your answer? Uh, there is no bottom. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here with this, in your opinion? <laughs> well, that surprised me, Keith. Uh, but uh, it may well be true. The swamp is deep and uh, maybe there's no bottom to it at all. Um, I, I would call January 6th, and I've just labeled it this from fairly early on, an incursion. 
Um, I don't buy into a lot of the other. Uh, I remember uh, there was a time when Barack Obama shut down the monuments. We had a government shutdown, and uh, and he took out the. Um, do I still have you? I just got a signal here. Yes, yes, no, we're here. Okay, good, good. Um, anyway, he he shut down the monuments, the World War II monuments that were paid for by donors and World War II veterans. He hired he hired and rented barricades to put all the way around there so that people couldn't visit a monument because the government shut down. He spent extra money to keep our warriors out. And uh, I went down there and opened that up. And but I, we did that for a week or more. And Michelle Bachman went with me to the Lincoln Memorial. Um, I did that every day, but one day it was a Saturday morning. We went to the Lincoln Memorial, and uh, that was all barricaded. No one had gone up there. No one had opened that one. And as we walked along those barricades, they're like cattle gates uh, wired together. And um, she said, um, well, they're all wired together. And I said, well, there's one of them that isn't. And it uh, didn't matter because I had a set of wire cutters in my pocket and a pair of scissors, by the way. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, there were several hundred people out there looking up at the Lincoln Memorial. They'd spent their money to fly or drive into Washington, D.C. to visit the memorials, and they can't even set foot on them. Hold on right there, Congressman. I hate to take a break uh, when you're in the middle of a story, but we will take one. We'll reset, regroup, talking with Congressman Steve King about hopes for the coming year, uh, the best moments of 2022, and the birth of Jesus Christ. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com Isn't this great? Just the two of us. No work, no interruptions, no phone, no TV. Finally, we have a chance to just talk. I mean, how long has it been? Well, first of all, we should talk about your schedule. There are a few things that could use some adjusting, but overall, I think it's going all right. Basically, I think we're doing a pretty good job of communicating, which is good. You're doing a really good job of letting me know how you feel about things. I just, I want to keep the the lines open, if you know what I mean. Jerry, it's four o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? Oh, I was, (laughs) I was just giving Emily a bottle. Who are you talking to? Emily. She's only three weeks old, and she's asleep. I know. I was just practicing. Family, isn't it about time? Isn't this great? Just the three of us. No work, no interruptions, no phone. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com.
Welcome back, everybody. James Edwards, Keith Alexander, and uh, Congressman Steve King. Uh, Congressman, when we left off, we were talking with you. Uh, you were sharing a story, and I'd love to have you finish it. But also, uh, the January 6th committee, uh, their ref criminal uh, referral to the DOJ regarding Trump. How do you think all that plays out? Uh, and with the Republicans taking the lead in the House, can they curtail any of this at all? Or derail it. Okay, well, if I, if I start back with that story, I'll, I'll get that to a conclusion here. Um, but uh, as I was sure, saying please. that um, we, they had barricaded the Lincoln Memorial when Barack Obama shut them down during a government shutdown, October 2013. And these are like cattle panels or cattle gates uh, all the way across the front. As Michelle Bachman and I walked along that with hundreds of people there visiting, watching and looking up, yearning to go up the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, uh, as we walked along there, I said, uh, she said, well, they're all wired together. And I said, one of them is not, but I had wire cutters in my pocket along with scissors. And, and so we walked by back to that one that was unwired, and I could see she was going to open that gate. And she's kind of a little woman, and I thought, that's going to really look bad. So I grabbed the gate and swung it open, and we, <laughs> we, we walked up those steps, and they had a police barricade uh, yellow tape across uh, halfway up those steps. And I just said to her, don't look back. We're going up to read Lincoln's second memorial address. This is a this is a people's monument here. And so we walked up without looking back. We got to the tape and I said, grab it with two hands. I'm going to cut you out a souvenir. So I clipped inside her hands and got about a three foot piece of that tape. We went on up into the into what they call the temple area right around Lincoln's feet. And uh, I had pretty soon there were just hundreds of people up there filled that place up. And what had happened was uh, two of my staff people had lost us and they panicked when they saw us up those steps. The police had the Capitol Hill, their Capitol Security had closed the gate behind us. And uh, one of my one of my guys had played football for SMU and he swung that gate back open again. And he kind of essentially gave the arm like charge, like an infantry commander. And all those people went up the steps and they were all breaking the law in the same way. Many of those people went into the Capitol is my point. And there you go. That's a point. When you're in a heavy crowd like that. You don't know what's going on in the front of that. You don't know who's leading, but you know it's kind of like a dam breaks, and you're going to go with the flow or you might get run over. And especially if you've had Capitol Hill police standing there inside the door, stepping back on the side of the hallway, welcoming them in, saying, don't, don't damage the place. Um, that's, uh, so many of them, I think, were convicted that had no idea that there was going to be a law that could be brought against them walking into the people's that's house right. with a flow of people. That's how I think about J6. and. This, it's a very, very, it's a completely partisan committee. Um, when um, Kevin McCarthy did the right thing by pulling everybody off that panel, when um, when Nancy Pelosi rejected, uh, was it Jim Banks and Jim Jordan, I believe, and then when Nancy Pelosi recruited Liz Cheney and uh, and Adam Kinsinger, that was that was clear. They were tools. They were willing tools and eager tools, and they should have known what they were doing. But the Republican conference and Kevin McCarthy should have known also that they had they, they had forsaken their Republican credentials. They were not appointed by Republicans, and they, and they should have simply just rejected them from the from the Republican conference and taken the label Republican off of them. Uh, that would have taken at least some of the leverage away that they've used. But this this couldn't be more of a kangaroo court. There would have been no evidence allowed that defended the people that are being targeted here. And Donald Trump is a primary target. And I think now there's a reasonable chance they're going to try to get an indictment against him. And and maybe you know maybe they'll go down to Mar-a-Lago and do another raid and take Donald Trump this time instead of some archives. 
Wow. Well, you know, and and that just again further exacerbates this d- divide that we have. As, as I've said before, uh, we are uh, really have become two different people. There are two nations. Um, well, really, more than that, living within two blocks, the red and the blue. Keith, <clears throat> Steve, I'm 71 years old, so I'm uh, I have a few on you, but as long as I can remember, the Republicans have always had a problem with defectors in their own ranks. For example, I remember all of the Supreme Court justice nominees that were supposedly Republican and supposedly conservative, and they turned out to be, you know, a fifth column of liberals on the Supreme Court. Uh, until we've had Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, I can't, you know, the Democrats seem to be able to police their troops a lot better than we do ours, and we have... Liz Cheney's, Adam Kissinger's, people like this. What is, why is that happening? Why has that happened throughout my lifetime? Do you have any insights on that? Well, I, I have a bit, but I, I haven't written any book on this part. It's a curious question. I've, I've watched this as, I'll say, principal people get elected to office, and it happens in the state legislature. I was in the Iowa Senate for six years, and, of course, I watch what's going on in this state now. And it happens in Congress, too. They come in. They know what they believe in. They've represented those principles to their constituents. And um, they're ready to charge when they when they hit the ground. And uh, I went through it, as the rest of them do. There were 11 days. They called it all orientation. But it was about four days of orientation and seven days of indoctrination. And they first they say, your job is to get reelected. You can't do that unless you raise money. So you go over and raise money, and we'll take care of telling you how to vote and where to be. Um, and some of those members will go over there and pick up the phone and spend almost their entire career raising money because then they can buy themselves a committee chair. Um, and once, but once you compromise with leadership, once you give them a vote, they just come back for a bigger vote and a bigger vote and a bigger contribution. And so slowly they might just say, well, this is only a small little deal. And it's, it's so I'm going to sacrifice, um, a, a piece of principle here because it's good for the cause and it helps me get along. It'll help my career. And over time, that grows into a big snowball, and they're no longer their own man or woman any longer. That's what I see happen in the legislative arena. Um, in the courts, I, I, I don't know if I quite understand that. We've had some justices I had great hope for. One of them was, was Chief Justice Roberts, and um, he's turned out to be a fellow that's with us part of the time, even most of the time, but he looks, he looks to be a centrist rather than a principled constitutionalist. So I think people go through a transformation. I didn't go through that myself. I, anyways, I, I began to, as the years went by, I understood the principles we need to defend more and more and more and more. And I stood on them stronger because my political foundation was strong enough I could do that. And I would say this to anybody that's a, a representative elect or a senator elect, whether it's at the national level or it's Tennessee, whether it's Iowa or any other state. If you want to have an independent voice so that leadership doesn't tell you what to do and you can tell leadership that you're going to you're going to represent your constituents and you owe them your best effort and your best judgment. That's all you owe your constituents. But that's a lot. And and so you need three things. You need to have first a voters that will support you and a network of them, which means serve them and serve their interests. Um, the second thing is you need a fundraising network out there that's independent um, it's broad, it's low dollar stuff, it's, it's supporters after a broad distance so that they can't target your donors and shut your money off. And the third thing is you need a media voice that 
when when leadership decides they're going to throttle you or knock you down or control you, um, you need to be able to go to the media and tell them the truth. Leadership fears that, and that would be why um, was it John Boehner went to um, if I remember now um, uh, Roger Ailes and ask Roger Ailes, don't put Steve King, Michelle Bachman, or Louis Gohmert on Fox anymore because we don't like what they're saying. Well, that's an example. Wow. Those three things. <laughs> that's how it works. And then we saw John Boehner crying at some uh, Nancy Pelosi event where they're honoring her for her service. Well, let, let me just tell you, folks, if you're interested, and I'm, I'm sure... <laughs> I, I got to get back into this. You let me up here. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Congressman, please. So, so you and yeah, Keith would hit it off. I'm telling you, I, I could see, I could see things between you two. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I've seen him cry a number of times, and you can see it coming. And he would get his handkerchief out before he started to speak. And uh, you'd think he'd be tougher than that growing up in the family. <laughs> Did he have a raw 14? onion in his handkerchief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that must have been it. But there's another audio that bothers me even more. Um, the audio of him crying and watching it in the video of it is worse probably than the audio of that. But when John Boehner handed the speaker's gavel to Nancy Pelosi in January of 2007, first time that a woman had been Speaker of the House, that was part of it, he stood up there on that rostrum and handed her that, that big gavel, and he leaned over and kissed her on the cheek right by the microphone. And I will tell you, that sound is in my ear today, in my mind's ear, <laughs> and once it's been heard, it cannot be unheard. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear more behind-the-scenes stuff about how the game is really played, the behind-the-scenes stuff, Steve King tells his side of the story. SteveKing.com, you get the book. You want to read this. Uh, you'll know a lot better why the winds are few and far between uh, for people of our political persuasion. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Rich Johnson. Winter storms happen like in winter, like now, but the big one moving across the USA this weekend is especially bad timing, as millions of us are trying to travel for the Christmas weekend. They probably could you know, have 10,000 flights that may be canceled out of this whole situation here over the next few days. Meteorologist Joe Bastardi of Weather Bell says if the system dips far enough south, it won't just impact holiday travel. It gets under 28 degrees, they have to shut the refineries down, and we're going to have two, three, four nights where it's going to be there. The, the, the natural gas wells get capped. Right now, the main system's blasting the upper Midwest and will bring whiteout conditions to Nebraska and to the east by tomorrow. At least two people have been hurt after a magnitude 6.4 earthquake hit early this morning off the coast of Northern California. But trying to find out more is a chore. We're sorry. All circuits are now. Will you please try your call again later? Authorities at the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office in Eureka, California, say about 70,000 are without power right now. There's also big damage to many roads and some bridges. It's getting a little better at the gas pump every few days. AAA now says the nationwide average price for a gallon of gas is $3.12, the lowest since July of last year. While we're not worried about gas supplies right now, another issue is the supply chain and children's meds. CVS and Walgreens are now limiting purchases of things like children's Tylenol because of skyrocketing demand because of the huge number of flu, COVID, and RSV cases. House Republicans want to wait till January when they take control of the House. But Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell again says 
Congress should pass a full-year spending bill this week. Lawmakers unveiled a $1.7 trillion plan today. McConnell says it's necessary to help Ukraine and keep Russia and China at bay. This is USA News. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Congressman Steve King's second appearance on this bro- uh, program, and like the first time, I was trying to figure out a way we could add more minutes, and so we're going to actually take <laughs> out our final commercial break of the hour. We're going to go all the way to the top of the hour with uh, Congressman King. He's telling some stories about his time in Congress and how the, uh, the situation works. Uh, you know, 18 years in Congress, uh, targeted with a well-orchestrated hit by the leftist media and the Republican establishment for the crime of warning his constituents and his colleagues, that Western civilization was under assault. He's written a book about it. You can get it at steveking.com. So we've been talking mostly about some things, uh, two things, really, that we'd like to see happen in the coming year, the demise of Kevin McCarthy's speakership and uh, that the Republicans might in some way uh, get us past the never-ending January 6th investigations, and I share Congressman King's take on uh, what that day was and what it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't what we saw at, at any garden variety a Black Lives Matter riot, for instance. But uh, let's talk about some good things. Let's not even talk about the worst thing that happened. You can you turn on your any other program and hear bad news. Let's talk about good things, uh, Congressman. And I think uh, last year and over the last two years, really, so maybe it's the last two-year thing and uh, more so than just 2022, but you are seeing the Republican base move uh, further uh, to the right and be more vocal about it. Let's just use the adjective muscular, uh, more muscular in their opinions. And we've cited some polls and some other anecdotal evidence. Now, of course, that's a good thing, but they're not yet organized and there's not yet a plan uh, put to action will on how be, they can be best used. Will it be a, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, will it be a case of when all is said and done, more will be said than done? Well, here's what you've got to work with. You've got, and again, we're using some system polling here. These aren't our polls. 89% of Trump voters believe Christianity is under attack. 87% believe that Christianity is an essential uh, part of American greatness. This is of the Republican base we're talking about. 
87% of Trump voters are worried about anti-white discrimination, as are we, as am I. 80% of Trump voters reject white uh, privilege. Uh, 79% of uh, Trump voters believe that uh, Christianity is important to their identity. 63% believe that race and ethnicity is important to their identity. So I I think we're seeing some good trends here, Steve, that would put us on a level playing field uh, with the opposition. Uh, Would you agree with that? And how can that, uh, how can these people be mobilized? Because if you're talking about 60, 70, 80% of tens of millions of people, you've got numbers you can win with, but uh, they still just aren't quite being deployed. Well, those are good numbers, and a lot of us have felt this in our guts and in our bones for a few decades now and watched this uh, this anti-white thing move up. And, uh, and, 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 as, and as that happened, we, you know, we want to be open. We want to respect everybody. We're all God's children. Um, we should be able to work together and get along, and we should be able to respect each other's cultures. But, you know, we are Western civilization, and it is the very definition of Western civilization is the first world. And when you attack the first world, you are tearing it down and you're moving either to the second world, the Marxist, socialist, communist, or you're going to the third world, which is survivalism. Uh, so we should be proud of who we are and what we've accomplished here. And we don't lock anybody out of it. If you want to have a good work ethic and a solid faith and strong families and rule of law and respect order. Um, and by the way, work and get an education and, and work intelligently. Um, we're all for that. That makes the world a better place. But we're being attacked for our skin color now, and that's pretty obvious uh, to everybody. And they've just more or less declared, if you're born white, you're a racist. Well, if you're conceived white, then you must be a racist if you're truly pro-life. And that means we all, or anybody that's a Caucasian is a racist. And that's, that has really put a mark down in this society and divided us. And, and it has been always the left and the Democrats that have been dividing And now, let's say, for example, um, affirmative action was initiated by John F. Kennedy in January of 1963 in an executive order where he recommended it. After he was assassinated, and then in 1965, um, LBJ uh, initiated an executive order that commanded the beginning of affirmative action. So that that was really pre King's strongest part of the movement. And and now it's grown into this thing where you have the president of the United States could care less about what qualifications he has with his appointments. If they meet the proper intersectionality points, whether we've got what um, um, have I better not go too far with this, but look at the Supreme Court Justice, uh, <laughs> Ketanji Brown Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but everywhere they move, and you're seeing this happen in business now, you're seeing it happen in universities, everywhere in our society, you have to look at the quota of your hires, and, in the, in the, and even the commercials, there's now a rule that half the commercials have to have a black in them. Well, so if you're going to sell chopsticks to the Chinese, do you need to have an African-American on the commercial? Well, oh, my goodness, are you not onto something? Yes, you watch any sort of... Uh commercial media when and the advertising agencies are all hard left well it's one of the things here's what here's one thing uh, congressman that, that as i was listening to you talk this this came to mind this has been something that happened in 2022 almost exclusively the uh or at least in terms of the media's coverage of it and they of course used this as a uh, a term of derision, but Christian nationalism. Now, according to the numbers that I've got here, eight out of 10 Republican voters are white Christians. And uh, so they call, you know, Christian nationalism as it's, if, if it's a, a dirty thing. And I guess they want you to be an atheist globalist instead. Uh, but you have seen uh, a, a shift there uh, with people being more outspoken. I mean, really, th- the things that 
you took so much fire on you know, six years ago uh, are commonplace now. I mean, you, you see it out of members of Congress now using the term anti-white. You, I mean, Tucker Carlson, I don't know there's a difference between a commentator and a congressman, but really you know, even uh, conservative establishment, conservative media is starting to, to speak much more strongly than even the comments you were so savage for making. And uh, that, that has been something that you've uh, has been an observable shift, I think. And then this. Now, I'm reading uh, a paragraph from Salon, and I'll let this be the last question on this, and uh, we'll talk for a moment, and then we'll get to uh, the real reason for the season and what we're talking about, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. But this is, this is Salon, and they wrote, uh, this was back from the summer, Last week in Houston, Texas, Republicans got a taste of just how far right their party has become. At the state's GOP convention, delegates officially de- uh, declared Joe Biden an illegitimate president, proposed repealing the 1965 Voting Rights Act, and voted for a platform calling on schools to teach that life begins at conception and to avoid uh, discussion of gender, identity, or sexuality. Additional planks. Uh, they use the word attacked uh, because if you're not in favor of child genital mutilation, which is so-called trans rights, they they said that they attack trans rights uh, and gender affirming medical care as actionable malpractice and declared homosexuality an abnormal lifestyle choice. Now, that that is uh, the uh, things that were voted on and I believe voted into the platform of the Republican Party of Texas by its delegates at the convention. So that Christian nationalism, some of those polls I mentioned, are you seeing this? Now, you, you have a very different perspective as a former congressman who has dealt with voters in the flesh and in person and in real time. We are observing these things as as, as commentators and pundits are you seeing uh, this shift within the republican party and, and and if so why are more people standing up to speak for this particular audience i mean it's as keith said before could you imagine uh, a black candidate running for office afraid to say uh, that i'm standing up for my constituents i'm standing up for black voters i mean it would be it would never happen and rightly so steve well the first thing that makes me think is um um, early on in the in this Congress, when uh, Margaret Taylor Greene arrived, there was some um, discussion about forming, you know, you've got the Congressional Black Caucus, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, the uh, Congressional Democrat Women's Caucus, and um, there's nothing there for the majority. And so um, they decided, at least, at least they made some moves in that direction, to form a white caucus. I believe it was Paul Gosar and Margaret Taylor Greene. If, if you would Google that, I'm, it's, I'm, right. I'm only 95% sure of that. And uh, it lasted about a day until leadership shut that thing down. Um, but I thought in the beginning when they formed the Congressional Black Caucus, how can they get away with that? If we're going to have an integration here and, and get rid of a, get rid of segregation, why would they? And, and by, oh, by the way, um, I often stood on the floor of the House of Representatives speaking to the Congressional Black Caucus, and I called them the self-segregating caucus. Um, and they never stood up to rebut that, never. Um, so now what you're seeing happen, I think, in Texas is they've, they've brought their platform forward, and it's a solid conservative fiscal and social agenda platform, and they are, they are defending that and taking votes on that and getting some press on it. It's happening at the grassroots level, not at the leadership level like it should be, um, but it's driven from the bottom up. So uh, here in Iowa, for example, we had that horrible vote uh, on uh, what they call it, the Respect for Marriage Act, which is really the destruction of Marriage Act, and we had twelve. Yeah, that's that's yeah, and and so they were, um, they we had twelve Republican senators that vote to break closure on that, and um, one of them was my senator here, Joni Ernst, who um, I helped move up through the process into the Senate, and uh, and she vote, she voted for 
the the gay marriage legislation that they call the Respect for Marriage Act, and it is an awful piece of legislation, but somewhere between five and ten county Republican organizations in Iowa voted to censure her, and that's the first time I've ever seen that in my years here. So that says to me the grassroots are pushing back. They get it. And and this movement that's coming up through, you know, we used to have establishment Republicans, the Rockefeller Republicans ruled about 1988. Um, we, we started getting the social conservatives, and now that is the foundation for the party. And I think these social conservatives are stepping forward now, and they're going to take their party back one county at a time, one state at a time. It's going to take some time. But all of this re- rebuilding of our society that we have has to take place at the families, at the churches, in the communities, and from grassroots up because politics is downstream from the culture. We must reform the culture in order to get politics reformed. I, I, I agree with that. And if the base can move in a certain direction, at some, and, and vocally so, and, and with some authority, you are already seeing some tremors of uh, the politicians. And let's face it, I mean, you know this much better than we do. Uh, a lot of people will shift. A lot of so-called leaders will shift with the prevailing tide. That's human nature. That's just the way it is. If our people can exert more leverage and pressure than the opposition, then uh, you will start seeing more elected officials, I hope. I hope begin to uh, speak our language, Keith. Well, Steve, well, that Keith, was very David, interesting. David, I'd like to inject into that, please. I'd just like to add this: that sure. um, the off the offset to the grassroots, to the the real we the people in the grassroots, the offset of that is um, a, a number of billionaires that are putting hundreds of millions of dollars into politics That's right. to, to own their leadership and gets them to do what they want them to do that enhances their business interests or their particular social bias. And that's that we have to offset that by taking the power back. And right now there's way too much power in leadership, especially in the House of Representatives. And uh, I've, I fought to take that back away from them 2010 and 11 um, and uh, came up short. The leadership jealously guards the power they have and they will seek to expand it. And that's so we need a strong grassroots and and uh, that's that's where it is, and that's where I'm working here at the state level and any place I can to help this cause. Well, you're right. It's hard to top that money. That's what cost Blake Masters. If McConnell and uh, the, the party uh, donors had supported him more, he'd be a, a senator right now. Keith? Well, I remember some years ago, Steve, when there was a proposal to, uh, I don't know if it was to amend the Constitution or to amend voting laws generally, to say that, Federal campaigns would be financed from one source, the U.S. government. And if you were the Republican candidate or the Democratic candidate for a particular race, uh, you would have the same funding. Uh, were we mistaken to fight that? Or Because, see, I'm a Southerner, and I remember all through my life, Southerners have been, you know, they were Democrats, and they were ignored by the power structure there, so they became Republicans, you know, with the Southern strategy and uh, Richard Nixon's election, but again, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We're still trying to actually have some power in setting the agenda for the Republican Party. Southerners have brought tons of votes first to the Democrats, now to the Republicans, and uh, you know we're we're we get like Rodney Dangerfield, we get no respect. What's what's the uh, what can we do to? Uh, is it all just money talks and BS walks, or are, is there something else that we're missing that is going to help us actually translate our, you know, polling numbers on particular issues into actual governmental action? Well, you, you know, you bring up a, a case that's uh, drifted back in my memory quite a ways. 
about about the proposal that there would be a cap on the spending for these national campaigns, these presidential campaigns, and that would be funded out of the taxpayers rather than out of the donors. Um, that's that looks, seems dangerous to go into that. I don't know how it, I haven't looked into it to see how I think it might break out. Uh, but also, we had a Supreme Court decision since that time that the uh, Citizens United decision, which said that money is speech, and we may have trouble moving a piece of uh, legislation like that if that constitutional principle might stand in the way. Um, they also uh, so, but but how do how do we break this is the bigger question, and you know we need lots more people involved, people that are better informed. But I, I really think that the best place to do this is right at the local level get um i'm I'm seeing now that there is um the freedom caucus is starting to get some people into the states and uh, to help organize in the states and i really applaud that i think that's a good and courageous leadership idea visionary i didn't think of it um i was impressed when i heard about it but to put some of their people their staff people into states and um louisiana is one arizona is another i don't know how many states altogether they're looking at around 30 as i recall and so if that happens and they're working with these state legislators, they will be able to recruit strong candidates, move strong candidates forward, identify them in the state level and get them get them then to move on into Congress to pick the cream of the crop of the principled conservatives that and, and if we're helping those kind of projects. That's one way of taking this thing back. But another is support them and deny a guy like Kevin McCarthy, the speakership, put somebody in there that already believes like we believe and that will take on the. Uh, Joe Biden's and take on the left and drain the swamp and move towards a balanced budget and and restore some of our culture. But we have been under a bombarded attack from executive orders to Joe Biden since the first day. And that does offset the stronger polling numbers that we're seeing here. That you well, mentioned of course, earlier. Obama was the first one that uh, decided that he didn't need Congress to govern. He would just do things by executive order. Um, well, and, yes, and, and it, reminds, it reminds me, in August of 2008, he was asked by Reverend Warren at the Saddleback Church, when does life begin? And he said, well, that's beyond my pay grade. And, well, it didn't stay beyond his pay grade. And he was for <laughs> marriage. <laughs> he he yeah, was for marriage right. between a man and a woman at the same time, and he lit up the White House with rainbow colors uh, when Obergefell came down. I mean, I, that's that's a 180, two 180s on the part of Barack Obama. Well, and not not surprising uh, at well, all. What's at wrong all. with our kind of love? Well, <laughs> th- I say. was about to make an egregious uh, oversight, and so I'm glad you brought that up because that that was certainly one of the best of 2022 was SCOTUS's decision on Roe versus Wade, kicking that back to the states. Which so many of these issues that should be where they're at. Let the states decide uh, what they're going to do on these issues. And it, it was interesting that the the left has always allowed the Supreme Court to legislate. But now uh, that the court has ruled in in favor of the good guys on something, they they put forth this defi- uh, disrespect. Oh yeah, there's an article in the New York Times. Well, they're trying to stop them from doing that now because they're afraid that, that you know they have codified so-called homosexual marriage now. But very quick, kids, we got to yeah, talk yeah, about Jesus. Yeah, they were just saying that, uh, you know, why uh, why has it been that we always wind up, you know, the kid at the candy store where there is uh, nose on the window trying to get something from the government i've you know i've dealt in politics here before and the problem is the chamber of commerce type republicans and that's about the mildest way i can describe them (laughs) uh always tend to get the financing and they wind up being the people running uh just 
you know, the people that really resonate with the grassroots, they always come in second place. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, it, and it is t- hard to have the numbers to offset those big checks, and so that's something that's going to have to be I'm going to have to come to a head. But, uh, Congressman, l- let me ask you this. Uh, I'll ask a two-part question, and I hate to do that, but I, I-, I want to get an answer on both. D- do you foresee anything coming from the Supreme Court uh, that we could uh, perhaps invest a little hope in coming up in the coming year? And then uh, answer if uh, there can be any victory for us ultimately if we are a nation apart from Christ. This is Christmas. We're celebrating his birth. And, of course, that's all under attack as well. Well, I'd say first, uh, the Supreme Court, I hadn't really looked at what's on their docket and looked very much at what's what's coming. I would say there's one thing that, that I'm working on up here in Iowa that uh, hopefully we get it to the Supreme Court. We've got we've got at least three and maybe more uh, carbon capture and sequestration pipelines, 2,000 miles under one of these entities, and they want to take the CO2 that is a byproduct from ethanol plants and um, compress that to 2,100 pounds per inch, about like the hydraulic pressure in your backhoe, and put it in a pipeline for 2,000 miles up to the oil fields in North Dakota. And it's private sector. And so because of the Kelo decision that came down in 2005 by the Supreme Court, then they, they can confiscate private property for private use. And that's what they're poised to do with hundreds of miles of independent property, mostly farmland, all the way up to North Dakota. And that will be, Justice Scalia told me at the end of this Kelo decision, um, it is eye to eye. He said that will be reversed someday. That's something that I'm hopeful we're able to do, whether we get it done this coming year or not. But that's something the Supreme Court needs to restore property rights. And, and that North Shore private property be taken for public use without just compensation. And the Kelo decision took that for public use clause out of there. Now it effectively just says North Shore private property be taken unless you pay for it. Um, so that's one thing on the, on the Christmas side of this. I had something going through my mind. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a level of optimism, and it, and it came from an experience that I just many times I review it in my thoughts. It's that I went in to visit in Cologne, Germany, the Cathedral of the Dome. And as through that visit, and I've gone to Mass there too, um, this, the historian for the cathedral uh, told us a lot of stuff that was going on there. But it boils down to this. They built that church on the banks of the Rhine in 332 A.D., and that would be under Roman uh, huh. domination. And that church was, I guess, fairly respectable, and they went to, went to church there for uh, several centuries uh, throughout the Dark Ages. And then in 1050 A.D., they'd been raising money for a new church and to expand it into a Gothic cathedral. So in 1050, the architect's plans were finished, and they started building, putting stone on stone, and they, they built to the mid 1250 or so for about 200 years they built and then in 1250 or thereabouts they ran out of money and so here's that this partially finished gothic cathedral 1250 a.d so they were persistent christians they continued their fundraising drive for get this 600 years 600 years and they got into the 19th century (laughs) and decided we've got enough money to to finish this gothic cathedral and so they began building and finishing that cathedral by 1888. They had finished it. And then shortly thereafter, the Wright brothers invented the airplane. And we had bombers buzzing over the Cathedral of the Dome, uh, flying around it in the First World War, but bombing around it in the Second World War. They used it as a bomb site, and they did not trip their bombs until they cleared the, the steeples 
of the Cathedral of the Dome. And I stand there and I think, why should we despair? From, if, from all of this persistence from 332 A.D. until today, that cathedral stands as a monument to Jesus Christ and a monument to the faith that comes from the promise that is given on this Christmas Day, this tomorrow morning, um, that promise. That promise has been the foundation for Western civilization, for what is truth, justice in the American way, for what's noble and right, for the rule of law. For the, for the Protestant work ethic, which as, a, which as a Catholic I'm very grateful for, and I think we compete pretty well. And the good things in this world, including the first world, grow from our faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we cannot lose faith. And, and no matter when this end comes, no matter when he calls the end of this, it's up to we need to do. We need to give our best effort, our best judgment every day. To, and, and I asked him this, loan me the measure of your wisdom you would have me use this day to go forth and glorify you, Jesus. And by the way, if you have room for an extra blessing, let me do so with joy. And therefore, we're not bound to the result. It's his victory in his time. But we are, we are called to glorify him and take the gifts he's given us, develop them to the maximum amount, and again, use them to glorify him. So do not despair. The Cathedral of Dome stands. It barely was nicked in the Second World War. Um, and uh, that tells us that the, the endurance of our Christian faith will go beyond us until the day that he calls us all home. Congressman King, that was absolutely inspiring. I really appreciate you wording it the, the, the way that you did and telling that story. I was not familiar with that story and how long the Cathedral of the Dome had been there. And so I, I, I've been to Germany as well. So there are so many beautiful, beautiful uh, cathedrals uh, throughout Europe, and it's just an amazing testament to the uh, to the uh, faith of uh, our fathers. And they do hate Jesus Christ. They do hate Christianity. They want to separate us from it. And, and why do they? Uh, well, of course, Christ told us that because they hate him, they would also hate us. That's in John chapter 15. But, but most immediately, because the faith of our fathers, Christianity makes us effective opponents of those who desire to enslave people to debt and to governance, which does not produce societies, fostering industry accomplishment, justice, safety, and courage, all of which are hallmarks of Christian and Western culture. And Congressman King, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas again. Thank you so much for coming on with us and being a champion of that culture and that faith. I hope to talk to you again in the coming year and in short order. I do too. Thanks so much. God bless you all and Merry Christmas, James. Thank you so much. Uh, we will talk to you again and Merry Christmas. We'll be back with the second hour right after this. Stay tuned, everybody. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607 203 Five four two three. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more. Up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. 
Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. The only untold story of World War II you will ever need to know. You have done a magnificent job. The visual impact that people will experience when they see what you have produced, you've been very impartial in your presentation, and you have allowed the people, the viewers, to make up their own mind. You present the, the evidence and anyway, it's an honor to have you on the program. To find out more on this phenomenal documentary series, go to the greatest story never told.tv. Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at heathenherbs.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, blessed angel came. And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy You know, even after all of these years, Keith Alexander, I don't think we've ever been live on Christmas Eve before. Uh, that uh, Surely not. We either would have... Uh, taped it or played a best of but not only are we live tonight uh, having a guest like congressman steve king coming on with us on his christmas eve as well i think that's uh, pretty remarkable and what a guy yeah i think that he feels real comfortable on our show and we feel comfortable with him too it's uh you know one thing i wanted to bring out was <clears throat> he was talking about the whole january 6th thing basically it's it's a, a way to get trump and you've always heard the old canard that you can indict a ham sandwich. Well, when they get an indictment on Trump, I think you'll find out that in 
either New York or D.C., District of Columbia, you can also convict a ham sandwich. Um, so I don't know how things are going to well, turn that, out. Well, that's Sam Dixon's uh, opinion. He had sent an email out uh, to me and a couple other guys a week or two ago saying that he believes that Trump will be in prison before uh, – and he was saying even in Georgia. We'll have to have Sam back on in early January <laughs> – there's a situation in Georgia where, where Trump is under investigation and you've got, you know, real radical leftist black female prosecutor down there. That well, we have people now in charge of the mechanisms of our government, like the court system, like the prosecutorial offices and whatnot, that just can't be depended upon to respect the constitutional rights of other people, people on the other side of the political divide from them. Uh, this is how <clears throat> Fanny Willis is her name. Uh, she's the district attorney of Fulton County. And I think uh, Sam believes she has something cooked up, especially for Trump. Well, I've, I've heard rumors about that, too. But, you know, there are several places in America where somebody like Trump cannot get a. Well, I tell you, trial. Metro Atlanta is one of them. I mean, you're yeah. going to have uh, you're going to have an all black jury there. And well, same thing in D.C. Uh, and probably, uh, you know, you may get more racial diversity in new york but you sure don't get ideological diversity <laughs> uh, isn't that what we always say they're they're really for diversity but not the diversity of opinion of course but which is the real diversity well in any event uh it is a pleasure to be here tonight uh enjoyed congressman king of course we uh, stayed uh, on the phone with uh, the congressman for a few minutes after uh, the first hour while we were in that extended <laughs> break and just uh exchanged uh, some compliments and uh, he will be coming back he, he, i believe he will be a regular going forward yeah he told uh, james he's been reading his book can't put it down yeah <laughs> well i don't know about not being able to put it down but i gotta let you read his book uh, i I've, I've got it here along with the very gracious inscription that he sent and i thanked him for that uh, Keith, I hope you make it to Christmas you got to make it about four more hours you're gonna hack up a lot before we get to the 25th it's giving me heartburn right now. All right. Well, that was all that Bozo's barbecue. Yeah, could have been. <laughs> uh, any event. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of the program. Uh, having Steve King on during the first hour to uh, talk about uh, hopes on a couple of issues for the coming year. Uh, some of the things that happened in the year that nearly was 2022. Uh, that we thought were good things, and then a little bit of talk about Christmas. We're going to talk a lot more about Christmas in the third hour when Pastor Brett McAtee, I was joking with Pastor Brett earlier this week when I called him uh, to get everything scheduled for tonight, uh, that he has officially attained the title of TPC chaplain. Uh, he is uh, our official chaplain now, I think you could say. And uh, he's, who's going to be the poet laureate? Is only question <laughs> next. He's always with us uh, for Christmas and Easter installments. Uh, tonight, he will once again be sharing with us the biblical accounting of the Christmas story, the biblical accounting of the birth of Christ. Uh, so don't miss that, ladies and gentlemen. What a fantastic way to end our last show before Christmas. And we're ending it not a moment, uh, hardly a moment before Christmas. Uh, it'll be three hours till two hours on the East Coast until Christmas. Uh, this Christmas Eve, Pastor Brett will be with us to talk about that. And uh, he comes on throughout the year as well to talk about political issues very much. Uh, an ideological ally across and the board. Believe me, there is scarce as hen's teeth in the uh, pulpits of America today. Yeah, and the pastor of a you know legitimate brick and mortar church, and they know his beliefs. He's on the hate list, just like anybody else that tells the truth, and uh, still got his flock. And uh, just a great man all the way around, a brother, 
and uh, a man of God. But uh, what we're going to be doing this hour, uh, we're going to have a trio of ladies, sort of like a little abbreviated version of our Valentine's Day installment that we do every year now. The Valentine's Day show is entirely ladies' night, where we have... Uh, you know, up to a half a dozen ladies come on to talk to us about uh, relationships and raising healthy families, and we'll do that again in February. But tonight uh, we're going to have uh, Lacey Lynn and Janice Hamblin and Courtney from Alabama uh, share with us uh, the Christmas spirit, what they've done, how they've celebrated their holidays, what they've been cooking, what the kind of decorations, just all that good stuff, with a little bit of a message that you might enjoy as well. It won't be complete fluff, but it's on Christmas Eve, so you got to put down your sword at Christmas at least for a couple of hours, so that's what we'll be doing. And I want to say again, though, i got to say this very quickly, I really enjoyed last week's show. Uh, well, I enjoy every show. I've really enjoyed tonight, obviously. I mean, my goodness. But last week, I, I just last week when we were replaying some of that interview with uh, George Wallace Jr., and you were hearing him say things that just, you, you, I think when he was sharing the, the message about what George Wallace had said to the person who tried to assassinate him, as you said, always beating down the South. Everybody in the South is always the immoral bad guys. And then you, you, you hear what these people truly were like, and it's just... Uh, it's what, what, a, what a pleasure to be able to bring the truth on on these radio airwaves and then revisiting one of those TV appearances. And uh, we've been doing this at a high level for a long time. Thanks to the audience. Thanks to the audience and God's good grace. Keith. Well, it's like Mark Antony and Julius Caesar. He said the uh, evil that men do lives after them. The uh, goodness is interred with their bones. Well, I don't think George Wallace did anything wrong, quite frankly. I'll just be perfectly honest with you. But they certainly have done a good job of putting the kibosh on any anything nice to say about any of their adversaries that's that's part of critical theory that's I, right it, it that's right you know you never compliment the adversary you never tell him he's made a good point in a debate you treat him like he's a congenital idiot a, a drooling uh, village idiot or something and that is for instilling cultural pessimism now if you don't instill cultural pessimism then the next step is the therapeutic state where they basically send you to the gulag for uh, psychological reconditioning all right let's take a break and let's get to the first of three ladies who are going to be coming on to spread christmas cheer this christmas eve stay tuned everybody we'll be right back Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. 
The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Welcome back, everybody. What a special night and a special opportunity to broadcast to you this Christmas Eve. Joining us now is former YouTuber, full-time stay-at-home mom, and uh, the clone of June Cleaver and Phyllis Schlafly. That is Lacey Lynn, of course. How you doing on Christmas Eve, Lacey? Hi. Good to be here. How are you? Oh, we're doing wonderful. How you doing, Keith? Doing great, except for a little bit of heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> So sorry, uh, no. it's good to oh, hear your voice, Keith. Well, it's good to hear your voice again, too. Uh, well, if you'd eaten Lacey's food, you wouldn't have heartburn. <laughs> yeah, right. I can tell you what, now this, this, this lady is uh, a, a sure enough chef. Lacey, what are y'all doing uh, tonight? Uh, how have you gotten into the Christmas spirit? And we just played the song. What is Christmas to you? What is Christmas to me? Well, Christmas is a celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But um, we are actually doing a themed Christmas this year. We are celebrating our ancestors with a Victorian theme Christmas. Now that sounds so interesting. Have... Give us a little details. What's going on at the at yes. the at the home? So we have a prime rib roast tonight. We have Yorkshire pudding and and an English plum uh, uh, Christmas pudding for for dessert. <laughs> I think that sounds like my my Christmases. I, my mother was a war bride, so she was English. I, we had oh. all of that stuff. Plus, I remember oh, that, that sounds wonderful. They had suet pudding. Did you like they it? Had, um, not the to- not the suet pudding, but I I did love, <laughs> the, but the uh, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding and things like that. Um, they had all sorts of crazy desserts. There's one I would say, but I just don't want to offend people. <laughs> It's spotted. It's nothing else. Fill the, fill in the blank. But it's uh, yes. <laughs> you and Lacey are speaking uh, a different language than me. You'll have to tell me during the break. <laughs> anyway, hey, what about de- you? Know, have you uh, decked out the? Have you decked the halls in the Victorian theme as well with decorations? I have. So I went on the internet and I found some um, Victorian like tin tinsel to um, hang on the Christmas tree. 
And my kids did uh, a garland with dried oranges and, and cranberries. And there was lots of red and green. Um, the decorations for Victorian times are very deep reds, deep green, kind of gaudy. They didn't play it safe. So we've got like a Victorian Santa um, kind of figurine on our on our kitchen bar thing. I don't know what you would call it. But you know, we, we've got it decked out pretty Victorian around here. <laughs> i tell you what, uh, Keith, you haven't – maybe you have because – Keith lives in this limestone keep in in uh, Midtown Memphis, and he, James was over at my party. Yeah, um, I, I, I was thinking, you know, only Lacey, uh, Lacey would be the only person I think that uh, could uh, p- perhaps uh, uh, match or exceed what I saw over at your uh, house, Keith. But it was just uh, a wonderful spread. Uh, very famously, we've talked about this a couple of times. My wife and I had the opportunity to go to one of Lacey's Valentine's parties a couple of years ago, and it's just it's it's really out of a uh, out of a picture book or out of a Hallmark movie almost. And it's great to see people reconnecting with their uh, past as you're doing with this theme tonight, and uh, getting into the spirit and and being. I, I like fine things, and you had a very fine party at your home. Uh, yeah, we used real china well, rather than. Fun. Uh... Yeah, go ahead. You and, Keith, yeah, yeah, you and Keith, both very fine. No, go ahead, Lacey. Uh, oh, no. Ladies first. Uh, oh, well, it, it was just, it was fun to do. And, and I like to, um, you know, there's there's this this idea going around right now that you shouldn't put so much pressure on yourself during the holidays, especially women, you know, they, but, but I really like to see how much I can do. And even if I have to wake up a little early or stay up a little bit late, usually it's waking up a little bit early. But I, I really like to just try to make the best out of it and see what I can do and push myself a little bit. Um, it's so much fun for me and it's so much fun for the kids and to create those traditions and honor your ancestors in that way. So it's just it's fun for me. And I had a blast at the Valentine's Day dinner and I loved y'all coming over and it was it was just so much fun i like to push myself a little bit to create those memories i mean you can sleep when you're dead well i (laughs) no (laughs) that's absolutely right and uh well you you certainly uh, excelled under the pressure of all that and and i i tend to do that as well if i feel the pressure it makes me bear down but i don't know i I don't know if it was pressure or effortless uh, effortless on your part lacy but i want to talk about uh uh, because you did it so well. Uh, but let's talk about it. We saw the Christmas card this year. Outstanding. I mean, I love the fact that this audience boasts, I think, some of the best-looking, most right-thinking, most the, the families that are that are just so nuclear. I mean, the true building blocks of civilization are manifested in our audience. But talking about Christmas, and I'm going to toss this to Keith, and then, Lacey, I'd like to get your your take on this how wonderful and uplifting this whole season makes you feel. And of course, Lacey, you mentioned the, the, the reason why we celebrate Christmas, but there's a lot of trappings that come along with Christmas that are fun. Some of the things you mentioned earlier, the get togethers, the, the decorating, the tree, all of it, uh, it, it blends in together, uh, in, in a, in a cultural way, but why and how could Christmas be hated so much by, the system, and we talked a little bit about that with Congressman King at the end of the first hour about why Christmas is hated. And I gave some reasons, but I think you know at the end of the day, the ultimate reason is it's because it's the well, you've you've said it before, Keith. It's the religion of white people. 
and they do, they do not like white people. They, they do not like like Doctor Zeus. I do not like his socks. I do not like his this. <laughs> you know, that's what they do. And it's a uh, it's wonderful to go back and see. I I did my tree up. I have an old artificial tree, and I got out all of these ornaments and things we had from all my lifetime. You know, back in the fifties, sixties, and everything like that. Uh, I I am consciously um, retro when it comes to celebrating Christmas. And uh, you sounded like you did me one better, though, Lacey. You've gone back before the age of electricity. Lacey, I've got to ask you this. This is, uh, this is something. Uh, what's your position on real versus artificial tree? We tried a real tree one time, and one time only. That was the last time. And uh, we have a cat. And the cat just couldn't stay out of the tree. And I, I was like, well, in winter, I thought I was done raking and, you know, doing all of that stuff. And he just had to tend to it every day. The well, needles all those needles fall off. They, they fall off. fell off like the hair on the top of James's head. <laughs> it was a disaster. <laughs> uh, Lacey, your position on real versus artificial, what do you all use? I know you would do the right it's, thing. So what's the right thing on this? <laughs> well, it's one of the few controversies. I don't actually have one side or the other. Um, I We have an artificial tree. Just because, I mean, we live very inland in Texas, so it's it's kind of hard for us to get to a, a real Christmas tree farm. But um, if we were going to do that, I mean, it would be a lot for us to get out and do that, but um, to find one. You can have a cactus Christmas tree. I've heard that they're pretty tree. messy. <laughs> what? Yeah, cactus, he said you could do a cactus as a Christmas tree. That's an Good, idea. yes. <laughs> But I, I heard they're pretty messy, and and I don't, and I, we've just always done an artificial, and I'm not against. I can vouch for that. Real one. Uh, yeah, artificial. You, you, it's a one-time investment. You use it year after year. How, how many years your, uh, how many Christmases is your tree seen, Keith? I tell you what, I have no idea. It's been a, it's, it's been there at least since 2000. Could it get its AARP card? Oh, only since 2000. <laughs> well, that's not too bad. <laughs> I, I think it was probably back in the 90s when I got. All right. Well, Lacey, why do you think Christmas is so hated by uh, the the media and the, the powers that be in this country? Well, absolutely what Keith said. I, it, it is a European tradition. It, I mean, you know, I know there are, speaking of controversies, I know there are a lot of people, even within our circles this time of year and during Halloween, where the debates of whose tradition belongs to what religious group just won't stop but <laughs> regardless of whether you think the christmas tree is pagan or or christian or or you know all of that it, it is a european holiday and when you're connecting with those traditions you're connecting with your european ancestors and and you know living That's in right. texas you in nailed it. summer it's just it's so hot in the summer and it feels like it's so hard to connect back to the motherland during the summer, but in that winter time when it gets as cold as it's ever going to get in Texas, it's, it feels a little bit more European and, and I can feel that connection a little bit more. So, well, I know you're going to feel, that, well, you are right. And, and the climate of Northern Europe shaped our people in so many different ways. You felt it this week in Dallas. I, I looked on Thursday. It was 9 degrees, uh, I think a low of 9. It was 3 here. Uh, he came in on a on a dog sled tonight to the studio. But uh, anyway, Lacey, we love you. We hope to talk to you again on Valentine's Day for that installment. Wish the audience a Merry Christmas before you go. Merry Christmas. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. 
pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. Holiday travel is going to be bad, really bad, thanks to the biggest winter storm that one expert has seen in about a decade. Weather Bell's Joe Bastardi says the main storm is sweeping across the Midwest and will create whiteout conditions by tomorrow. But an offshoot storm will make its own trouble in the Northeast. Thursday, it's going to be snowing in the snow, sleet, freezing rain up the Appalachians into New York State. That little storm is actually an impactful storm, too, when you're looking at the fact that people are going to be trying to travel and move around. Bastardi predicts thousands of flights will be canceled between now and the weekend. More than 70,000 customers along the coast of Northern California are without power. Several people are reported hurt after a magnitude 6.4 earthquake struck Humboldt County early this morning. Authorities are also checking on reports of damaged roads and homes. President Biden will travel to Mexico City next month to for a summit with the leaders of Mexico and Canada. And immigration will be on the agenda, according to the White House. That word comes as the Supreme Court has, for the moment, stopped the administration's attempt to end Title 42, the Trump-era rule that forced people applying for asylum at the southern border to wait in Mexico until their cases are processed. On the border, the mayor of El Paso, Oscar Leeser, says the back-and-forth rulings of Title 42 are just increasing the queue. In uh, Mexico, Redline Waters, and uh, there's probably over 20,000 over there waiting for Title 42 to be lifted. And those thousands are waiting in sub-freezing weather every night. So maybe that Twitter poll worked. CNBC's reporting Elon Musk is shopping for a new CEO for Twitter. Back in November, Musk said his time as CEO would be temporary. But over the weekend, in the midst of his self-made poll on his status, Musk tweeted, there is no successor. This is USA News. Prescription products require an online consultation with a health care provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Subscription required. Hey, guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same but is 90% cheaper? And you can get it online? Just go to 4 slash joy. At Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, a 100% online process, and trusted generic alternatives to the biggest brands at 90% off. That's right, get generic for Viagra, the same active ingredient as brand name Viagra, but 90% cheaper. It's the same medication you get from your doctor, but with zero copay, no expensive appointments, and no awkward face-to-face conversations. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash joy. That's 4 slash joy for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash J-O-Y. Christ by highest heaven adored.
You know, if we could bottle up the Christmas spirit and keep it year-round, I mean, I know that that sounds cliche, and I guess that it is, but there is something about this time of year, especially so, that does fill you with hope and wonder and encouragement for the way things might could be, uh, like better times could happen. Well, you know, one of my favorite, favorite Elvis Christmas offerings is why can't every, ba- every day be like Christmas? And, you know, that is really, you know, I think all of us, particularly as you get older, relate to that. You know, <clears throat> I was, you know, when we were talking to Lacey before, she was talking about, you know, gifts and things like this and the tree and doing whatnot. When I was a child, there's no doubt that the big focus was on gifts. But now, at my age, I feel what really gets me yearning for the Christmas time is going to parties where people are enjoying <laughs> themselves. You know, when pe- people enjoy themselves. It's you don't not, want toys anymore. Well, no, not so much. What I like is uh, that you can actually have friends over and there's no ulterior motive you're not raising money for some charity yeah, I, 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 I laughh because i thought you were going to say something about you know actually we'll have the chance tomorrow to go to a christmas service at church which i can't remember doing in a long long time either course, christmas course, Eve, and, and the real reason is jesus but 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 you, there is something as we uh, bring janice on about the feather uh, fellowship and togetherness i mean you said parties but i mean yeah, just the time to come together Friends and family. Yeah, that's exactly right. Janice uh, is back with us. She, too, is a mainstay on our uh, annual Valentine's Day Ladies' Night Special Edition, and she's back with us here this Christmas Eve. Janice, uh, we love you, and we love your husband, and uh, you're near and dear to us, and thank you for being with us tonight. How are you? I'm doing fine. Merry Christmas to you both. And you could not have put... Go ahead. You could not have started with a something to open up what I was really wanted to talk about, and that is Christmas past and how I see that it has changed over the years since I'm old enough to be your mother, James. You know, I've seen a lot of heaven forbid that you could say that to me. (laughs) No, no, you notice I did only say to James. That's right. (laughs) But but, you know, I mean, it's very sad. I mean, Keith can probably remember, you, we sang actual Christmas hymns in school. You know, all the way up yeah. through, I think, sixth grade we did. We played them in band all the way through school. You, you don't get that anymore. And, um, and you know, he talks about... Um, going to parties and being with with friends and stuff. And Christmas was always a time that we were with family, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, if not both. You know, it was Well, for us, it was just family growing up, just family growing up. And, you know, it wasn't this oh, we got to go see the new Christmas movie on Christmas Day, like a lot of people do now. It wasn't any of that. Um, You know, and I miss that. I miss that um, people, and even in church, a lot of churches, you know, there's not a real emphasis on Christmas being about Christ's coming, that he could be our sacrificial lamb, that um, it's a time to, even though, it's not necessarily the day he was born, but it's a time to remember that he did come. 
and he came with a purpose, and he was promised since Genesis to come for us. And um, I see such a big difference. And, you know, Keith, you probably can too that, I mean, I'm seeing where stores aren't even decorated for Christmas anymore. But they are for Halloween. Yeah, you're right. And so many people go a whole hog out on Halloween and you barely see any Christmas ornamentation. But, you know, um, in the Biden White House, I understand there's not a Christmas tree, but there is prominently displayed on the lawn a menorah. I know, and I think that we need to um, start pushing back on that because that is um, that is religion, and now you are you are not keeping. Um, though I don't agree with it, I think it's a farce um, separation of church and state, and um, just just yeah, not separation of synagogue and state. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what they have pushed. But, you know, the big thing is, is that Christmas used to be a time of family getting together. I mean, we never put out a Christmas tree because they were always real until like two weeks before Christmas. Because, you know, you didn't want them to die in the needles everywhere. So it wasn't like this stretched out holiday forever. And, um, you know, it's like six weeks now. And there was no... Black Friday, there was no big shopping day, you know, probably the big shopping day was Christmas Eve. Everybody went out and was getting gifts Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve, you know, and it, and it wasn't so, and it really was not so much about presents, so we got them, like one or two. Um, it was more of a time to spend with your family. And that's what I remember. I was always with my dad's side of the family, all my aunts, uncles, and cousins, all of us. And it was always so much fun. Um, and I miss those days. I miss seeing them. And, and you know, and, and as I got to be a teen, our church, we would go out and sing Christmas carols in the neighborhood around the church. Nobody does that anymore. No, no youth group goes out and sings Christmas carols, not even to their own parishioners, you know, nothing like that. It's like it's, uh, you know, gone by the wayside. And I don't really know how to bring that back, except for to have young people like James and some of the ladies that were on to maybe try to get these things reinstated in their in their church and in their family it starts at the family level it has to start you know at at your home and you're right about the carolers now i mean you just don't i mean maybe in small town usa rural main street type communities but i i can remember being a little boy in the 80s and that was the last time we ever had carolers and you know we lived in a suburban area so it wasn't like people had to walk out to the farmstead to find our house but yeah that that that's certainly a tradition that's not as prominent anymore, Keith. Well, this brings up a, uh, um, the pressing topic of the night. When do you think the Christmas tree should go down? <laughs> should that go down before the January the 1st, or do you take it all the way through the Christmas season to January the 5th, or does I, it matter at all? It doesn't really matter. One year my mom left it up to, till Valentine's Day. <laughs> 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 but... Um, I usually take mine down the first week of January, um, yeah. 
and I didn't put it up until the week after Thanksgiving, you know. Um, That's what I did. I, so I tell people that, you know, go ahead. I was going to say that one thing I do leave up year-round is I have a very small collection of about five or eight um, um, manger scenes. They are up all year. I can look at oh, them and remember that that Christ, he did come, and he came to save my soul. And I leave them up all year long. And I love them. Uh, it's just it's a great reminder to me of what he did for me and in, in coming to earth. And, um, you know, I just think that we need to start getting back our, into the whole thing that it's about Christ. It's about his coming to come as a human and to come as such a frailty. He didn't come as a man. He came as a baby and he grew just like we do. And, you know, all, even a lot of old movies like Rudolph and, and Santa Claus. Why are we teaching our children about Santa Claus? I don't get it. Um, I got in a lot of trouble because I told my kids there was no Santa Claus. He was just a spirit of giving. My family well, didn't you like know, that I, I, I get that. I get that. But, you know, I, I, I still think, and this is what Lacey was talking about in the previous segment, there are still some cultural trappings of, of Christmas, and Santa's one of them, that is still uniquely European, obviously, and so therefore, you know, that's fine. But it, the Christmas tree, too, I we put ours up right after Thanksgiving, take it down uh, right after yeah. New Year's. But there's just something about the light on the tree. It makes me just feel so content and so at ease if, everything's off oh, at the yeah. end and the, the light is on it's just like christ bringing light to a dark world like we try to do here on this program in another yep. way but uh, but thanks to people like you and, and rich janice and thank you so much for being with us it's always a pleasure to have merry you on. christmas really enjoyed what you had to share tonight merry christmas merry we'll christmas. talk to you again soon is receiving a faith-based character focused education for your children difficult to find do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's advanced distance education program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As 
as you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Message uh, right here in Dixie from us to you, wherever you may be. No, Elvis really did like Christmas. He went all out. Uh, Graceland was always decked out as long as he's owned it. And of course, that was uh, Alabama with Christmas in Dixie. And we have Courtney from Alabama who uh, we'll, should be on this segment. Uh, she's always a mainstay. Uh, yeah, we don't use that. But uh, is she with us? Okay, uh, we'll see if we can reach her. Anyway, Keith, uh, so she wants to come on and uh, talk about some of the things the other ladies were talking about and also uh, perhaps even a movie recommendation, and I do believe we have her now. Courtney, are you there? I am here. <laughs> All right, there she is. Thank you for the lovely Christmas card with the pictures of your children. Yeah, you wanted to say that last week. Oh, that's right. But we forgot. Courtney, no just problem. Played... I always include you in my in my in my Christmas card list. I always include both of you every year. It's so important. <laughs> Did you send one, Keith? Uh, I didn't get one, so I, you better not have sent any this year. Yeah, no, I, I sent a few, but I just <laughs> who knows? You know, the post office in Memphis is uh, uh, legendary for its uh, incompetence. <laughs> so you never know whether you're going to get mail or not here. Well, Courtney, exactly. it is Christmas in Dixie, and it is Christmas Eve, and it is great to have you as the final of three ladies coming on to uh, help uh, spread that Christmas cheer right before the clock strikes midnight. Uh, what do you got planned for us tonight, Courtney? Well, I, I think usually when you have us on for Christmas, you like to, uh, to talk about some of our traditions usually, so I was going to talk about uh decorating food and if there's time maybe a movie suggestion um but uh to start with decorations um 
I I really just love to, you know, like any decoration I've gotten from the time I was a teenager, you know, till now, as long as it hasn't, you know, gotten lost or broken, I, I still put it up. I mix everything together and put it up. I don't, you know, some women just like to throw old things away and start over with a new theme or something and um, with like a prim and proper look, but I just like to put up everything I have from over the years. And I think it just makes the home cozy. That's just how I decorate. Can't go wrong with it. If it's Christmas, it goes together. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, for, if for food, um, uh, I'm, it's funny. I'm, uh, I, I love tradition. I'm a huge fan of tradition, but when it comes to food I, I i'm i'm i've kind of broken a little bit with tradition my my I, I think you should just eat what you want during the holidays um my mom is the type who would always pull out her 1970s southern living cookbook and you know make the same recipes for thanksgiving and christmas every year um you know the sides the certain casseroles and uh stuffing and, and uh, the cranberry sauce, you know, everything a certain way. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, it's like we have to act like we're too prim and proper to eat the good stuff like mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese, I guess. Um, but I've, I've kind of broken from that. I, I, I fix, so if they come to visit, you know, I do all the traditional stuff, but if it's just me and my husband, like on Thanksgiving, I pull out, I, I make ham instead of turkey. I make mashed potatoes. Uh, uh, macaroni and cheese were all the you know like rolls like all the really good stuff and, and that everybody wants but they don't admit to um and then uh christmas <laughs> day we have a pot of gumbo cooking and um and then the the infamous uh butter bean and ham stew <laughs> that's with cornbread that's, that's always really good that's something you um, can sop up right keith <laughs> Hold on. You got to turn your mic back on. Oh, you got to turn your mic back on. You got to uh, tell us about down there where you live. What regional uh, variations are there to the normal uh, turkey and dressing, some ham, uh, you know, uh, sweet potatoes, uh, green bean casserole. I'll never forget that <laughs> every year. But, <laughs> what, uh, what other specialties? Uh, are there any specialties down in your neck of the woods that are uh, – uh, part of your tradition for celebrating Christmas? I think uh, down on the coast, we like to mix in seafood, and that's where the gumbo comes in. I, um, I a lot of times for Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'll have, you know, I like to, you know, put seafood on the table along with the turkey or the ham, whichever holiday it is. And, um, and then Christmas Day, oh, man, we have a crock pot going of uh, seafood gumbo. So I think... I think that in in we it could be our house that is really huge on that, but um, but I think I think maybe down here to see the seafood element is a lot more common. Um, but gumbo just, on Christmas Day is something we don't do up here, do we, Keith? But it'd be good. Well, I might try it. My mother was English. We'd have things like toad in the hole, for example, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have another one that I can't mention in mixed company, but <laughs> I'll I still got to find out what you're talking about. Lacey, I'll tell Lacey you exactly knew what, what you were is. talking it's, about, but <laughs> it's a word that has one meaning in the United States, another one in uh, uh, England. All right, now, 
Send in your emails, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if you can crack the code. Hey, Courtney, let's talk about movies real quick. I was over at Keith's Christmas party a couple of weeks ago, and I saw his coveted uh, collection of about 500 VHS movies. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you got in your uh, library Christmassy? Well, I like, out of the Christmas uh, Carol versions, I like George C. Scott the best. Uh, then Sir Seymour Hicks had Scrooge back in 1935, and then the one that most people remember from my generation is the Reginald Owens one. Now, I also have Holiday Inn. I have Home Alone 1 and 2. Uh, I have Miracle on 34th Street, which is really, a, you know, if you haven't checked that out in a while, check it out because it's really a good movie. What else have you got in mind? I, I, Bad Santa, I don't watch those titles. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't come out. I don't think that one came out on VHS, so you couldn't, <laughs> no. <laughs> you couldn't play it. <laughs> Courtney? That's today's Hollywood. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Keith, actually. I, I am not a fan. I've noticed that the 80s, when I was little, that was probably the last decade that had any serious, wholesome, sentimental Christmas movies. Now everything has to be a comedy. Like from the '90s onwards, it seems like everything's a comedy, and I'm, I'm I agree with him. I was he mentioned one of my favorite Christmas movies. I am a huge fan of the Christmas Carol story, and one of my favorite versions of it, it was the one from the '80s with George C. Scott. Um, it was supposed to be a made-for-TV movie, but I think it's probably the best version of it I've seen. I've I've all, I grew I think up. George C. Scott that. made him uh, made Scrooge a, a believable character. There's another one in 1951 yeah. with Alistair Sim as Ebenezer Scrooge. So those are the only four that I'm aware of. I'm sure there are more somewhere. Yeah, now, now they have to kind of poke fun at it and make it comedic if they make a version of it, it seems. I could be they even wrong, have Christmas but... horror shows and things like that now. I just uh, that, that just shows you how uh, James and I were talking about something said how uh, – uh, how low can they go? I said uh, there is no bottom. They can <laughs> they'll dredge up something that's even worse and more offensive than uh, they did last decade. But uh, you know that's why I'm, in my house at least I've told James this, but he's not impressed. I said I don't have any of those VHSs from Disney that predate <laughs> 1967 because that's when Walt Disney died in '66, and he was the one that made it, the Disney trademark. He was uh, wholesome and heartwarming tales uh, with no political axe to grind. Every time I look at the clock, I can't believe how fast these segments with the ladies are going. I guess it's because at Valentine's Day we have them on for 30 minutes apiece, and, and tonight it's just a quick uh, one-hit, one-lady. But, uh, my God, Gordon, we've got about two minutes remaining. I want to give you an opportunity to wish the audience a Merry Christmas and all of the people who, of course, tune in to hear you throughout the year on the program a Merry Christmas. But I, I want to ask you, you said you did listen to last week's show when we revisited the George Wallace Jr. interview and that you liked it. And uh, being from Alabama, I'm glad that you did. I I was very, very touched. I, I have so many wonderful ideas for uh, when Confederate History Month comes up. I'm going to touch on that. Um, I was very proud when I listened to that. Very, uh, very stirring speeches from him and very uh, co uh, stirring commentary from his son when he was on your program. Um, I was glad to hear that Elvis was not the liberal that he's made out to be in this most recent uh, movie. Yeah, yard sign, uh, Wallace had, for president. Had yard George sign Wallace yard sign in the front lawn of 
Graceland. Yeah, that that didn't make the movie, as we said last week. That new movie that came out on Elvis. Great article about that at Amran, written by Gregory Hood, I believe. You should check that out. Anyway, it's uh, mostly a work of fiction, apparently. Uh, Courtney, last word to you, and uh, obviously from us to you and to your family, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to both of you. Thank you for having me on. Merry Christmas to the audience. Uh, remember the true meaning of the season, which is Jesus Christ. And um, and everybody knows what one of my huge uh, point. I, what word am I trying to use? One of my uh, the things that really tugs at my heartstrings is our people who are in prison who don't belong there. So please remember them during this holiday season. That's a great message and a great uh, and thoughtful thing for you to mention at the close of this uh, particular segment. Uh, we hope uh, that, again, we, we well, I know we'll talk to you again soon. Hope that you have a great day tomorrow uh, with your family. And ladies and gentlemen, very, very, very quickly, uh, there's been a tremendous amount of interest in uh, our fourth quarter Christmas fundraising appeal. And uh, we hope that you will support the work still six days to get in your support and trigger those incentives, which will mail off to you as uh, right away immediately upon receipt so uh we'll be back with the third and final hour pastor brett mcatee presenting the biblical accounting of the birth of christ stay tuned everybody thank you courtney have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently, we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. KD Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR-500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight. Feeling lighter increases mobility and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at katiearmor.com, c-a-t-i-armor.com. Come and take it. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. Napa Know How. 
Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the whole program tonight has been building towards uh, this moment, this hour, with Pastor Brett McAtee, the pastor of Christ the King Reformed Church in Charlotte, Michigan. Uh, I was joking with Pastor Brett, well, half-joking anyway. He has become the official chaplain of this radio program. We always enjoy having Brett on to talk politics, uh, but to have... Uh, the pastor back with us at Christmas time and at Easter to present the biblical accounting of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But tonight at Easter, but tonight uh, the biblical accounting of the birth of Jesus Christ. So you know how we do it when Pastor Brett's on to present this message. Uh, we let him present it uh, without interruption. So with that, Pastor Brett, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas on this Christmas Eve and uh, let you share with our audience the good news. Thank you, James, and Merry Christmas to you and your family, to all the listeners um, they have tuned in. It's a privilege and an honor to be the chaplain of the political cesspool. As we turn to the Christmas story, we want to do a rift off of uh, Dickens' Christmas Carol. We want to start by just noting that Adam was dead as a doornail in sin. Uh, to begin with, um, that's the beginning. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his fall was decreed by God, is related by scripture revelation and confirmed by experience. There is no doubt that Adam had fallen, and this must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the Christmas story I am going to relate. And the reason I start this way on on this Christmas broadcast is because the, the sons of the West have forgotten the wonder that's found in Christmas is that we, though being dead in our sins and trespasses in the language of Scripture, we, though being in rebellion to God, God, in his great mercy, has raised up his elect, his people, in Christ and shown them his love and compassion. And Christmas is not anything worth worshiping or worth being lost in wonder and love and praise if we don't first understand the situation that we were in uh, prior to the coming of Christ and Christmas. The scriptures you see teach us, uh, teaches us that Adam's fall into sin was consequential for all mankind. Scripture teaches that Adam's one sin resulted in judgment of condemnation upon 
all mankind. Scripture teaches that through Adam's disobedience, all mankind were made sinners. And Christmas is that event that begins to reverse all that by the incarnation and the coming of Jesus Christ. So the fact that Adam was spiritually as dead as a doornail was a fact that reverberated to all mankind. Uh, as the old Puritan catechetical instructor book said, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. So all mankind born subsequent to Adam were born as dead men walking. And the good news of Christmas is found in the fact that God has provided the only solution for the problem that all mankind has as being dead men walking opposed and underneath God's just wrath. The Old Testament then, as it opens, hints the fact that God planned a solution to mankind's being dead in sin. And let us keep in mind here before we talk about the solution that God had decreed, that the fact that God provides a solution for man's sin problem that is spoken to during this Christmas season is testimony to the great mercy and humility of God. God would have been perfectly just to leave all mankind in their state of disrepair and hopelessness. But God, who is rich in mercy, raised his people up in his Christ. And this bespeaks the love of God that we celebrate at Christmas. If God rescued only one person from man's sin, God would have even been then plenteous in mercy and great in love. Well, under the testimony in Scripture of the promised one whose arrival made Christmas Christmas. Immediately after Adam's sin, God made a promise in Genesis 3 that God would raise up a warrior king who would bloody and crush the head of the enemy, that great dragon, that old serpent, who had overturned his order there in Eden. And by this promise, Adam knew that he would be released by someone else paying the debt that Adam and his seed could never pay. You see, my fellow listeners, mankind's wound was so grievous that mankind could never get himself right with God, and he needed another to stand in his place to make man right with God. Man could not by himself undo what had been done there in, in that Edenic paradise, since all men after Adam were, in the words of Dickens again, Dead as a doornail in sin. Man had a problem that only Christmas could answer. And that problem was twofold. First, as we have said, man was dead in sin and couldn't help himself get out of that position. And secondly, God was so holy and just, he could never have any fellowship with fallen man. And indeed, he was opposed and his wrath was upon those who were dead in their sins and trespasses. However, all through the Old Testament, God promises the coming of this warrior king who would set all right and restore man to having peace with God. And the scripture tells us a great deal about this promised coming warrior king who would set all things aright. Uh, for centuries, the saints of the Old Testament looked forward to the fulfillment of a coming Christ who we celebrate this Christmas season. As we noted in Genesis 3.15, the Christ would crush the enemy of God's people. There in Genesis we read, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt crush 
thou shalt bruise his heel. So scripture teaches that the Christ would would crush Satan, our enemy, the one who sought to overturn God's order. Christ comes as the one who does bloody battle with the serpent and the dragon. He is he is the one who rescues us from his grip. But not only that, scripture teaches that the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. There in Genesis, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet till Shiloh shall come, and unto him shall the gathering of his people be. And that is what we see there. And as we go to the New Testament and those genealogies of Jesus, Jesus was indeed a Judahite from the tribe of Judah. And he is the one to whom the scepter comes to. And of course, we all understand that the scepter is a is a symbol that bespeaks the idea of ruling and of authority. And so on Christmas, Christ comes as King of Kings and, and Lord of Lords to rule in the affairs of his people. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick pause right there. We are uh, being shared the Christmas message by Pastor Brett McAtee, and we'll give you his contact information as this hour continues here on TPC. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com.
Ladies and gentlemen, how special it is, I'll say it one more time, to be with you on Christmas Eve. And uh, I know it is hard to find a strong church these days led by a strong man of God. If you cannot find an in-person fellowship, I would uh, strongly encourage you to check out uh, the uh, church site of Pastor Brett McAtee, who is the husband of a wife without peer, the father of three children who walk as heroes in the land, a grandfather. Uh, he has pastored Christ the King Reformed Church for over 20 years, and you can find that at charlottereformed.org. C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E, charlottereformed.org. I know members of this listening audience uh, tune in to the online message every Sunday morning there, and uh, you would do good as well to do that, to minister to your soul. And uh, with that, Pastor Brett, back to you as you continue to share with us the Christmas story. Thank you, James, and Merry Christmas to to all the listeners. Uh, so far, we're just kind of trying to set the table for the coming of Christ and looking at just a few of the highlights in the scripture that, that talks about this anticipated Christ, this anticipated Messiah was the Hebrew word they used, this anticipated Christ who would come to deliver God's people from their mortal womb that was inflicted upon them. And we, what we've learned so far is that this promised champion, Christ, this Messiah, is going to enter into bloody battle with the enemy. And the enemy is going to bloody the champion on the heel and our champion is going to crush the enemy's head. And we've learned that he's going to be royalty. He's going to be bearing a scepter. And we see that all the way uh, through the scriptures, that Christ is uh, the royal one. He is of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the descendant of King David, and he fills David's role. And so that's the Messiah that they were looking for. And as we continue, we also learn from the scriptures that the the Christ they were looking for would be born of a virgin. Uh, Isaiah says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And of course, we know that Emmanuel translated means God with us. And when we get to the New Testament, that's what we find on Christmas morn. We find that the Holy Spirit-inspired writers inform us that Mary conceives of the Holy Spirit without knowing a man. And this promised Christ is given the name Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. And it's important that we hold to the virgin birth. So many want to dismiss it today or belittle it. So many liberals want to cast it aside. But the virgin birth is important because if Jesus is not born very God of very God, if he is just the descendant of Adam, then he has to pay for his own sins. And he can't be our champion. He can't rescue us from our sins. And so the virgin birth is a, is a key foundational point of the whole meaning of Christmas. And there we find it in Matthew's gospel. The angel comes to Mary and pronounces that she's going to give birth. And Mary acquiesces humbly to that statement. This is what Christmas screams. It screams a champion who is very God of very God and very man of very man who has come and saved his people from their sins. And man has no greater need than to be delivered from his sin problem. Man, apart from Christ, spends all of his time looking to either get rid of his sin and to voice it on somebody else or to masochistically and sadistically lay it upon himself. But with the coming of Christ, the sin problem is dealt with, 
and man can be free of the sin and misery and guilt that all men bear who aren't in Christ. And so we have in Jesus Christ a champion who's very God of very God and very man of very man. And he's come to save his people from their sins. And this is the joy and the holly of Christmas. This is the laughter and the merriment. This inspires the worship of God during this Christmas season. God has had compassion on unworthy sinners like myself and like all of his people and has provided a Christ to save his people from their sins. But of course, there can be no good news in that unless we're first conversant with our sin, unless we first understand that we need a champion to deliver us. Well, the scriptures go on to tell us about this Messiah. The Messiah, the scriptures in the Old Testament tell us, would be born in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphratha, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you, Bethlehem, shall come forth to me, the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. There again we find this idea that the anticipated one, who is going to be the champion that would deliver people from their sins, is going to be a ruler. We also learn that he is going to be born in Bethlehem. And there's, a, there's an interesting aspect to this. Uh, we learn from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that Christ, who is the bread of God come down from heaven, would be born in Bethlehem, which translated means the house of bread. The Christ, who is the bread of God for the salvation of our souls, is born fittingly in the house of bread. And so the very idea that he's born in Bethlehem is screaming to us that he is the bread of heaven that will be food for our souls. Here we learn the Christ who we celebrate at Christmas. We learn again he'd be a ruler, as we mentioned earlier. And that is what we learn in the New Testament. Christ is ruler over all the nations. And all the nations at this Christmas season are duty-bound to swear obedience and fealty to Christ. And indeed, the day is coming when that will be the case. All the nations will come to Christ. All the nations will go to Mount Zion to learn the law of the Lord. Further, the Old Testament scripture teaches us that our, that our champion, the Christ, would be the Son of God. This time from Isaiah, uh, a well-known passage there. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah chapter 9. Here we have a promised change coming for the burdened people of God. The passage describes them as living under the oppression of darkness. But what will happen with the coming of the Messiah is they'll now live under the dawning of a great light. And all this is metaphor for going from being downtrodden to being released, from being underneath the thumb 
of the usurper, Satan, to being released by our champion who overthrows Satan. We have briefly described there in Isaiah of people who are transitioning from oppression to liberty. The yoke of the enemy has been cast off, and the rod of the oppressor has been broken by our deliverer, that is, the Christ who comes at Christmas. In place of the enemy's yoke and rod comes the kind of joy and gladness associated with harvest and military victory. And all of that is brought by the Messiah, the Lord Christ, and is brought on Christmas. In all of this, God has, has done something to make the tools of the enemy's warfare to be abolished. There is the introduction of a child who will rule as king. Throughout that passage, we, we see repeated this idea of light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And we're reminded that light throughout the book of Isaiah, as well as all of Scripture, is a, is a metaphor for God's blessing and presence and revelation as unto his people. So again, what is being promised here in the reversing of travail and oppression is the very presence of God. And that is what we find when we turn to Scripture. The one who is to be born of Mary is the Holy One of God. It is Emmanuel who has come to save and rescue his people from their sins. We must not miss the idea of light in this Isaiah passage, because when the utter fulfillment of this promise comes to pass at Christmas, and, what, and when this child arrives at Christmas, what we read of is light. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed about them, and they were sore afraid. Ladies John's and gentlemen, gospel. Pastor Brett, Brett McAtee sharing the Word of God from the Gospels in the New Testament. And we will continue to do that with Pastor Brett this Christmas Eve right after this. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. It's not just the Midwest and Northeast hunkering down. That big storm blasting the heartland is heading south as well. We did issue an advisory for extreme cold weather to make sure that all of our market participants are prepared for the conditions that we're expecting. That's Paul Vegas, head of the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. He says they have the power to serve their customers during the cold. More than 30 million of us are now under wind chill alerts as that wind chill will send the feels-like temperatures well below zero in much of the nation. The wind and snow will combine to produce even more dangerous conditions, according to meteorologist Joe Bastardi of WeatherBell. Coming to Nebraska by uh, tomorrow night, uh, for instance, uh, you'll be getting zero, zero visibility, temperatures below zero, winds gusting 40, 50 miles an hour. And they're trying to speed up the clock on Capitol Hill to approve that big federal spending bill. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer says the deadline may be Friday. But we hope to do it much sooner than that because we're mindful that a nor'easter is barreling down the East Coast. Schumer told colleagues both sides have agreed on the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill and could hold procedural votes on it this afternoon. They're assessing the damage and helping those hurt this morning when a big earthquake rattled the, off the northern California coast. Yeah, we definitely felt it this morning, and not too much damage. There's no power and some stuff fell. That man was sleeping when the quake struck. It was centered about 10 miles off the coast in Humboldt County. This woman's busy at one of the only places open. The restaurant's okay. We have a generator, so we're actually up and running. More than 70,000 customers are without power in Humboldt County. 
ESPN's reporting that mortgage company billionaire Matt Ishby is going to buy the Phoenix Suns from Robert Sarver. A recent NBA investigation concluded the Suns organization under Sarver is a toxic workplace. This is USA News. Paid for by government.com. Did you hear? A recent stash of $10 Gold Liberty coins from the 1800s has been found. These gorgeous gold coins are as bright and shiny as the day they were struck in the late 1800s, and less than 50 of these gold coins are available. Coin experts are calling this gold find an incredible opportunity. Call 1-888-201-7060, and you are guaranteed a $10 Gold Liberty coin minted by the U.S. Mint in the 1800s. But with extremely limited availability, you must call now. These gold Old Liberty coins from the 1800s are still in uncirculated condition. That is history you can hold in your hand. To learn more, call 1-888-201-7060. Call now and you'll receive a free American Coin Collector's Bonus Package, a $40 value, free with every order. Call 1-888-201-7060 now to secure your $10 Gold Liberty coins dated from the 1800s before they sell out. That's 1-888-201-7060. Did you know it's your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know it's your baby boy who save our sons and daughters? Did you know it's your baby boy has come to make you this child that you've delivered? Absolutely one of the most beautiful uh, Christmas songs, even though it's a relatively new song, a contemporary Christmas song. Mary, did you know? My daughter sang that in a recital a few days ago. Uh, always enjoyed that song. If you get a chance, folks, especially this uh, Christmas Eve night or tomorrow on Christmas, listen to each of the verses of that song. What a powerful message. And Christmas is that one time of year that we lay down our swords and allow ourselves to reflect on the beauty and the majesty of this spiritual season. The battle will begin anew, of course, in the coming year, but tonight and tomorrow especially, I encourage you to focus on uh, the message that you're hearing tonight from Pastor Brett McAtee. Remember that we're here to protect and preserve a culture and a faith that has given light to a dark world, and it's our duty to ensure that that flame is never extinguished. If you want to read the biblical accounting of the Christmas story, you can find it in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. We have reposted that at our website this week. And, you know, Pastor, they tell us that uh, Christmas is irrelevant. Christ is irrelevant. Uh, it's not true. And uh, we're all just one mass of humanity. But the very measure by which we tell time is based upon his coming. Uh, 2022. The year 2022, well, what happened 2,022 years ago there roundabout? What happened? Uh, that's the message you're hearing Pastor Brett share tonight. Pastor? Amen. Amen. The West is the West because of Christ coming at Christmas. And so we continue to, to consider that. Isaiah talks about this light, and Christ can say himself that he is the light of the world, and so Christ is the fulfillment of all that was anticipated in the Old Testament. And so we see 
as we've looked through these Old Testament passages, that Christmas was necessitated by Adam's sin and that God's Christ was promised and anticipated all the way through Scripture. And we've only hit a few of, of the highlights. Indeed, all of redemptive history in the Old Testament is what it is because Christ is being anticipated and is coming. All of the Old Testament screams and shouts the coming of Christ. All of the Old Testament should be read through the prism of Jesus Christ. And then we finally get to the New Testament. All of that anticipation is is come to the fore, and all of that uh, anticipation of Christ, who's come to deal with man's estrangement from and rebellion against God, um, we find that um, that answer in Christ there in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And we find angels singing glory to the God in the highest, and Christmas has come. And so what is considered just parts of this Christmas story, in Luke we, we learn of the shepherds, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. It's possible that we're supposed to see a contrast here that Luke gives us between these lowly shepherds and the high and mighty that are mentioned in that same chapter. There in, in chapter 2, we read, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So here you see the potentates of the world are, are operating the gears of the world, but it's the lowly shepherds who are visited by God's angels to hear of Christ's birth announcement. This kind of observation then would be consistent with what Mary has to say in her Magnificat. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and he's lifted up the lowly. So here we see shepherds being lifted and the proud being brought down. They're worried about taxes. The shepherds get to see Emmanuel, God with us. We note about these shepherds that they're an odd bunch for, for God to be making the birth announcement regarding his coming, his coming son. Um, this is the kind of announcement the angels are giving that would have been given for the birth of royal children um, in, in palaces. Um, but instead it's being made to shepherds. And it's odd because shepherds uh, were at the bottom of the social scale in that society. Farrar, writing in 1893, wrote, Shepherds at this time were a despised class. Strack and Billerback, writing in 24, 1924, said the shepherds were despised people. Stein wrote, in general, shepherds were dishonest and unclean according to the standards of the law. They represented the outcasts and sinners for whom Jesus came. Butler said shepherding had changed from a family business, as in David's time, to a despised occupation. Finally, a chap named Utley said the rabbis considered them to be religious outcasts. And yet it's to these that got entrusted the responsibility to hear the birth announcement and then go and serve as witnesses to this event. Here we, with the choosing of the shepherds to be his messengers, God chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God chose, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Another thing about the shepherds is that some scholars, Edersheim, for example, believes it's possible that the very flocks that those shepherds were watching when those angels showed up were the flocks from which the sacrifices would be chosen for the temple sacrifices. 
If so, God brings glad tidings of great joy to shepherds who spent their time watching the sacrificial sheep. And now they would have the opportunity to go and see the one who would be the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. If that is indeed what is the case and that they were watching those sacrificial lambs, the, the power of that symbolism can't be missed. Um, we come next to the wise men, and we consider them. Of course, uh, we get from uh, tradition that there were three, but we don't know. Scripture does not tell us there were three. Tradition tells us their names were Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthazar. And interesting enough, and I think appropriately so, um, it said that they represented Europe and Arabia and Africa, respectively, thus um, emphasizing that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, in their tribes, tongues, and nations. Um, the gospel goes forth indiscriminately. The good news of Christ for sinners goes forth to all men of all tribes. Indeed, Christianity especially is especially for the nations as Israel refused to hear her Messiah. And now we have these magi that are bearing gifts. And we'll look at the gifts in turn, but let's note that their very presence was anticipated by Scripture. Remember, Matthew is one of the more Hebraic of the Synoptic Gospels, and he returns repeatedly to the Old Testament. And many believe that Matthew is seeking in his Gospel to reveal Christ as the faithful Israel as compared to faithless Israel. As such, Matthew pays close attention to the Old Testament. He records the coming of the Magi, and with that recording, Matthew may have had in mind Psalm 72, that the kings of Tarshish and the islands bring presents, the kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts, and that all kings bow down before him and all nations serve him. So may he live, and may the gold of Sheba be given to him, and let them pray for him continually. Let them bless him all day long. Um, there are other passages that Matthew could have been appealing to. Uh, in Isaiah 60, Matthew could have been hinting there with the wise men. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. A multitude of camels will cover you. The young camels of Midian, Ephah, and all those from Sheba will come, and they will be gold and frankincense, and will bear good news of the praise of the Lord. So Matthew here is seeking to connect the prophecies of the Old Testament to their fulfillment in the coming of Christ in the New Testament. This is something he does repeatedly in his gospel. Sometimes Matthew does it explicitly. Sometimes he does it implicitly. Here, those whom we call the wise men, the text refers to as magi. Uh, R.T. France, in his commentary, tells us that the magi was originally the name of a Persian priestly caste. But later, this title was used widely for magicians and astrologers. And the church understood the gifts brought by the wise men as having symbolic significance. The three gifts, of course, you know, the gold and frankincense and myrrh. The gold being a chief representation of value in the ancient world, it was used especially in the context of royalty, both among men and gods. In the Old Testament, we find the Ark of the Covenant, for example, being overlaid with gold. Also in Solomon's Temple, we find it decked out with 3,000 tons of gold. Gold, therefore, represented the royal and divine standing of the Messiah. He was both very God, a very God, and king of kings. And so gold is brought to him by the Magi and laid before his feet. When we come to the gift of frankincense, and we'll be looking at that at the top of the next segment. 
one more segment with uh, Pastor Brett McAtee on this, our very special Christmas Eve installment of TPC. Be sure to check out Pastor Brett's work and his message. You can tune in every Sunday morning at charlottereformed.org. We will be right back. In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8, 44, gave the left evil, spiritual power, the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him the beast his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. I'm Michael Hill, President of the League of the South. I and my compatriots are Southern Nationalists. We seek the survival, well-being, and independence of the Southern people, our people. The League wants a South that enjoys the sweet fruits of Christian liberty and prosperity, but our current situation won't allow it. We must have our independence from Washington, D.C. and the globalists. The present system cannot be reformed. Without independence, we will continue down this path of destruction. To us, this is not acceptable. I'm asking you, Southern man and woman, to join us today to free the South. Call us at 256-757-6789 or see our website at www.leagueofthesouth.com. God save the South. gives you chills what a beautiful song what a beautiful message what a wonderful show tonight with pastor brett mcatee congressman steve king and a trio of fantastic ladies this is part of our program yes we're a political talk radio program we talk about the political we talk about the cultural we also talk about the spiritual and without that the rest of it doesn't stand up Uh, one of the most endearing images uh, the most endearing stories about the power of Christmas had to be the Christmas truce during World War I. Uh, leading up to the holiday, the week before Christmas, German and British soldiers crossed trenches to exchange Christmas greetings and gifts and to talk in areas uh, men from both sides ventured into no man's land on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to mingle and exchange food and souvenirs. There were joint burial ceremonies and prisoner swaps while several meetings ended in carol singing. Men played games of football with one another 
giving one of the most enduring images of the truth. That, Pastor Brett, is the power of Christmas and how it binds us, how it has saved Europe in the past, going back to Charles Martel and Jan Sobieski. Uh, we need to get back to that kind of Christianity. Uh, Pastor, the final 10 minutes is yours. <laughs> Amen. I'm sitting here being blessed by your uh, your intro. It's funny that you should mention some of those things because they're, they're actually in my notes if I ran out of time, but I don't think I'm going to. But let it just be said before we enter again, it is Christianity. It is the realities of the truth of Christianity, the incarnation, um, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. It is the reality of Christianity that makes the West the West. And if the West departs from biblical Christianity, the West will no longer be the West. It'll be hell instead. Getting back to this wonderful, wonderful Christmas account, um, we've been looking at these gifts, and we're looking at this idea of, of the gold, and we talked about how that bespoke royalty. We look at the gift of frankincense. Um, frankincense is a aromatic white resin or gum used in incense, oils, and perfumes. It obtained, it's obtained from a particular type of tree in Arabia, and that's why they thought that one of the kings could have well been from Arabia. The way it's harvested from these trees is by making incisions in the bark and allowing for the gum to flow out. It's highly fragrant, fragrant when burned and was therefore used in worship services. It was burned as a pleasant offering to God, we find in Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, take for yourself spices, spices with pure frankincense, and there, there should be an equal part of each. It is interesting that this incense made with frankincense was to be used only in worship. Anybody caught wearing it would be cut off from the people. And here we may find at the very beginning the hint of the fact that Christ himself would be our pleasant offering to God as our burnt offering sacrifice. He is our frankincense before God. He is the offering that allows us to no longer be wearing our sin as he's the one who wears our sin in our place so that we are we can have peace with God. And so frankincense perhaps bespeaks this idea of Christ as our sacrifice. Uh, the gift of myrrh there at Christmas by the wise men represented the humanity of Jesus by suggesting his mortality. Myrrh was also a product of Arabia. It was obtained from a, a tree in the same manner as the frankincense. It was a spice and was used, get this, was used in embalming. It was sometimes mingled with wine to form an article of, of drink. And such a drink was probably given to our Savior when he was about to be crucified as a stupefying potion. There it's referred to as gall. Mir then symbolizes bitterness, suffering, and affliction. And the baby Jesus would grow to suffer greatly as a man, would pay the ultimate price when he gave his life on the cross for all who would believe in him. Taken all together, it's interesting what's going on here, that whereas in the Old Testament, the examples are of faithful Israelites being proven superior to proving superior to foreign wise men. Here instead, it's the foreign wise men who are superior to faithless Israel, thus again hinting at the eventual unfolding of the gospel, where national Israel is displaced by the Gentile church as God's people. And we are God's people. The church is God's people. And the church where it's found in the nations, in their nations, represent the people of God. And so this Christmas, we're reminded of this reality that Christ came to save his people from their sins. And he saves us nation by nation. 
in our sins, just as he said in the Great Commission, to go bring the gospel message to the nations. And the Christmas story is the beginning of that reality. It's Christ becoming incarnate, being very God of very God, as I've said repeatedly, very man of very man, so that he could bear the sins of his people. He would become the Lamb of God. He would become the one who takes away our sin. And all I can say with as much earnestness as I can find within me is those of you out there who don't know Christ or see him as as just another religious figure, all I can do is beg of you to return to the Scriptures, find somebody who can explain to you the necessity for Christ. Be done with your rebellion against God and the insistence that you have on all of reality circling around you and find yourself bowing to this Christ during this Christmas season. Don't be like Herod there in that story of the Christmas uh, events. Herod, of course, was the pretender king. He was not even a Hebrew, but he was instead of uh, Edomite pretender king. Uh, he hated the idea of the true king uh, replacing him, that he, he killed the infants. Uh, he killed God's people going for, going for the Christ who would displace him. And that is what man does today in his sin. He seeks to overturn anybody who would, who would get in the way of his own sovereign, autonomous rule. Every man outside of Christ is his own Herod, so to speak. He wants everything to serve him, and he'll not serve and bow the knee to the Christ. When we go on and we look at the Christmas story, we, we consider Mary's Magnificat, that beautiful song where she sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. It's interesting, in, in Genesis, it's Eve who is the main actor of the epical event named the fall. But in God's recreation, that is redemption, the second Eve, that is Mary, is front and center. And so Mary, in this Christmas event, is the antithesis of Eve. Mary bows to God's word where Eve questioned God's word. Eve bears sin into God's garden temple, while Mary is the Christ-bearer, the Christodicus, in God's work to remake his garden temple. Eve's actions lead to curse for all who belong to Adam, while Mary's actions lead to blessings for all who belong to the second Adam, the last Adam, the Christ. The first Eve was taken out of the first Adam and was the source of life for all Adam's seed, the second Adam is taken from the second Eve and is a source of life for all his people. It's also interesting as we examine Mary's song that's called the Magnificat, that Mary understands that all that is happening is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Hence, we see that there is a covenant continuity between the Old Testament in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 and what is happening to and through Mary. Mary, like Zechariah, does not see continuity between the Old Covenant promise and the New Covenant fulfillment. Finally, a brief word regarding Mary herself. Protestants typically don't do the same thing, and for good reason. Still, Mary should be esteemed no differently than any other of the saints in Scripture. Unlike the Roman Catholics, she's no co-redemptix. We should not be believing and praying to Mary or any other saint. That would be sin. But we should respect and honor Mary for her faith is perfectly fitting and proper. Because of her faith, it's perfectly fitting and proper to honor her. And she is honored in that song that James mentioned, Mary, Did You Know? 
And we should have an honor and respect for Mary, but we shouldn't lift it up to the idea of worship. It's interesting that most scholars believe that it's very likely that Mary was very young when all of this happened. And it must have been quite a study in contrast between the old, uh, older woman Elizabeth being much older and, and Mary. And so God takes this child, uh, 14 perhaps years old, who has never known a man, and he, in con- the contrast, he takes a, a dried up prune who's past childbearing age, and he takes the things that are not, and he makes him to bear the greatest prophet, the old covenant, and the Messiah who gives life to the world. And so God does these incredible miracles. He brings a child forth from a womb that, that's no longer bearing children, and then he brings the Savior from a child who's never known a man, all to the end and purpose that God might save his people. And from that idea of God saving his people, building up great civilizations and great nations, building Christendom so that men would know what it means to walk in harmony of interest and serve together their creator, God. And so Christmas is a beautiful time of year that bespeaks all of these realities and so many more that we haven't gotten to. Christmas is, along with Good Friday and Ascension and Resurrection and Trinity Sunday, Christmas is a time of year of of joy and hilarity and laughter. It's a time of fellowship and family because in Christmas, We find the reason for being free, the reason that we no longer are in bondage to the wickedness that is now coming back to us because we've abandoned the meaning of Christmas and all of the import thereof. And so as God's people in the West, it's my fervent prayer. It is my preaching. It is my my time spent among God's people, pointing them to Christ, who is their own individual personal deliverance, but also the only one who can build a social order wherein men can have peace with God. Pastor Brett McAtee, I want to wish you again, brother, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for ministering to the audience tonight by sharing this most important of stories with us and giving us the biblical and gospel accounting of it. I know my heart was stirred. And ladies and gentlemen, if you need a strong man of God to lead you, uh, charlottereformed.org you can tune in online every Sunday morning and hear the word of God uh, through Pastor Brett and Pastor Merry Christmas again we can't wait to have you back on always a privilege always an honor thank you so much Merry Christmas Merry Christmas to you all ladies and gentlemen we will be back Keith Alexander and I next week on New Year's Eve for the ladies who were with us this evening, for Congressman Steve King and for Pastor Brett McAfee. I am James Edwards wishing you a Merry Christmas tomorrow. Good night and God bless you. You're listening to Resolution Radio Radio. ResolutionRDO.com